You are Locked On Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Locked On Lakers for Tuesday. Brian Kamenetsky and Andy Kamenetsky. Andy, it's it's game two night. Yeah. Two nights. Um, and uh, I, I don't, I, is this, are, we, are we at must win territory already? Like, uh, is, are, we, are we there yet? Or, I mean, look, you and I have talked about this before, Brian. Every playoff game is a must win. Like, there's no such thing as a playoff game that you can just crap away. Like, you're, you're not necessarily done if you lose any particular game other than the elimination game, but they're all must win. Mm-hmm. Like, there's, there's no bleeping around. Yeah, it, 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 I would classify this and sure would be nice. Um, like you can find out what happens if you don't win game two. How about this? I, I wouldn't a, want it, to. It's a better win game. You better win. Yeah. yeah, I would agree with that. So we'll talk about uh, some of the adjustments that the Lakers may or may not be looking to make into uh, game two. Andy, adjustments, Andy. That's that's the buzzword between games always in the NBA playoffs. Talk about adjustments. And so that's what we're going to do. Uh, a big one that people are talking about we is can't spell a lot of adjustments without Andre. That's right. Uh, and so we'll get into uh, uh, whether or not the Lakers ought to find some playing time for Mark Gasol and whether we think that will happen in the second segment. And some interesting numbers around uh, betting lines and all kinds of fun things that actually get to sort of the respect level that the Lakers are getting in. Uh, even after that game one loss. We'll talk about that before we're done. I uh, do want to let you know that today's show brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them that Locked On sent you. Um, so, Andy, one of my favorite things about the playoffs is, is the, the challenge that coaches face, particularly when they lose, in trying to decide, do we really need to fundamentally change something, whether it's you know personnel, lineups, something, whatever it might be, or do we need to hone in on the things that we were trying to do in that in that game one, game two, whatever it is, and just execute them better? And the Lakers um, are in that position right now after losing game one, 99 to 90. You know, Vogel was asked about this at at practice on Monday and basically said they focus first on doing the stuff that they are trying to do and just doing it better. I'm okay with that. Well, I mean, a lot of this depends on what you're defining as the things that they know they do well, do it better. Like, for example, the Lakers were terrible in transition defense against the Suns, and it was really – magnified by the fact that the Suns aren't even a team that look to run to begin with. Like they are a very methodical, slow-paced team. And I think they recognized very much to their surprise. I know I was surprised watching the game. Hey, we can run against these guys. You know, it's out of character, but let's not look a gift horse in the mouth. Let's take some easy baskets. And that's the type of thing that, you know, KCP, I thought, hit the nail pretty well on the head uh, during Monday's uh uh, practice or media session after practice when he said just we weren't engaged and like we you know we need to just be more prepared Phoenix was the more prepared team than us 
And I think he probably means X's and O's, but I think more than anything, I think he's he, talking about I, mentally. I, I, I took it to mean both. I, I, I yes. meant mentally and physically. Yes. I think they were just not And, and I, uh, one weird and like, I think a little wrinkle that I don't think they were necessarily prepared for. And I think Phoenix got more juice out of it was the crowd. I mean, I, I think that was, yeah. an, an, they have not played in front of a lot of that. Certainly no, nothing that resembles a playoff crowd like that. You know, a thousand, fifteen hundred. Like they're getting, they they've been getting. I, I think, can tell Andy, you like, the last time they had that atmosphere, Brian. I can tell you the pinpoint that weekend when they beat the Bucks and the Clippers. Yes, which was a massive weekend. It was right before the stoppage because then they. I was going to say, but for people who don't know, you're talking about last year. Yes, I'm yes. talking about in early 2020, like early March 2020. They had a weekend where they beat both the Clippers and the Bucks. It was a massive statement weekend. You and I were inside Staples for both of those games. It felt like a playoff atmosphere. Like that mm -hmm. was a really, really charged setting. There has been nothing close to that since. I, I feel like that that was something that that gave Phoenix a little bit of uh, of extra energy. I mean, look, there's a reason home court advantage is a thing in the NBA. Um, I, I don't think it matters that much to the Lakers, but you have to be prepared for it. And well, just, in I, particular, too, Brian, with Phoenix, they haven't been there in so long. Like they were, they as a team and the crowd as fans were incredibly geeked for this moment. Mm -hmm. I mean, like this was big. They the the Suns, I don't believe, have been to the playoffs since they faced the Lakers. I want to say in the Western Conference Finals in 2010. I believe I, that's correct. Something I like don't that. think they've been there since. Yeah, but I mean, I will say this: like the Lakers got off to a decent start. I mean, it wasn't you know it wasn't like Phoenix rolled out to a twenty-five point lead, and they had to, you know L.A. had to claw its way back. And the Lakers were fine at the beginning of the game. Um, but it's it's you know we have spent all season talking about how the offense is shaky, um, often. And you know, you look at at what the, and how the shooters are shaky. Often they shot twenty seven percent from three point range, but you know this number and Alex Regula from uh, SB Nation, you know Silver Spring and Roll broke it down. Seventeen of the Lakers twenty six threes on Sunday were classified as quote wide open. Like there's there are rules about this, and so they were wide open. Seven more were just regular open. So twenty four of twenty six then are good to great shots from three-point range they hit 25 percent of them six of 24 if you're the coaching staff do you look at that and say we need to try something different or do you look at it and say if we can get 26 or 24 of our 26 three-pointers are either regular open or super wide open you do that again don't right. you? Like, I mean, you don't go away from that that is by definition you executing your offense like right. you, you do it to engineer those type of looks. Like it's it, going back to what KCP said about you know just the the lack of urgency, needing to be more mentally prepared. I thought the Lakers were slow in this game to react to a lot of different things. Whether you're talking about slow on the court, you know, getting out rebounded by a pretty bad rebounding team in Phoenix. You know, we talked about in Monday's show how they were slow to a lot of 50-50 balls, but also like in-game adjustment or even awareness, like how slow they were and frankly didn't do anything really to recognize Chris Paul is compromised. Let's capitalize on this. Like Rob Mahoney from the ringer wrote a really good piece. I uh, tweeted out at cam brothers 
about just how Chris Paul wasn't a detriment for the Suns in this game because the Lakers didn't make him one. Like they didn't make mm-hmm. him become a truly left-handed player. This is a great stat from this piece. You know how many turnovers Chris Paul had after the collision that caused his uh, shoulder problem? One. Hmm. It And as sloppy and compromised as his handle looked during wow. this game, he only turned the ball over one time. Like that's inexcusable by the Lakers. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's it it's funny. Like there are times when you know, and and LeBron, you've seen this effect with LeBron. You've seen this effect with Kobe. There's certain players that are you're just are so ingrained with like the things you need to worry about when they're like. And I think to unprogram, like let we have to attack Chris Paul. Yeah. Your brain as a basketball player doesn't do that because attacking Chris Paul when he's on a good team usually is a terrible idea. Yeah, it he sets you up for always failure. Always find your vulnerability, yeah, and make you pay for it. But you have to be able to jump on, on those things like that. It, it generally seems like a terrible idea, but yeah, it's little stuff like that, you know. And defensively. You know, obviously there were possessions where they didn't either. You know, my favorite was the, my favorite possession of the game to illustrate how the Lakers were not always on the same page was the one where Aiton was so wide open under the basket. He didn't realize that nobody was near him. He just assumed that somebody for the love of God must be guarding me. And so he turned around and he passed the ball out to the three point line instead of dunking it because he was too wide open. Like, so bleep like that happened. But overall, the Lakers, I don't think they lost. I mean, they, they Phoenix scored 99 points, and it's a little misleading because um, you know, it was they weren't running up and down the floor. You mentioned it, they're not a fast team, they don't have a, a thousand possessions, but like it's not like they shot 57% or anything like that. You know, and as the game went on, the Lakers had plenty of good moments. So it's not like I don't think they have to scrap the entire thing defensively either. When I went back and watched some of it again today, you know, Tuesday, you know, uh, on Tuesday, and then you look at some of the numbers, it really is from a an execution standpoint for me a fine line between do different things that may even go outside what you want to do and do what you do but do it better. Don't hit 25% of your shots, hit 35 Make your free throws. <laughs> you yeah. know, I mean, I mean there, there's like there's Humble. no point to getting there's no point to getting 17 free throws in the first half to Phoenix's zero if you're going to shoot him that crappy. I right. mean, there, there's the Lakers had the Lakers shot a little payoff. 19, the Lakers shot 19 of them before Phoenix took one. Yeah, it's just yeah. it's it, it, so stuff like that. If you're, I mean, if you're a nervous Lakers fan, you look at some of these things. Anthony Davis. Given exactly the same, I don't care how, and we'll we'll get to the center thing in like literally like a second, a minute here. But the like whether you think that Andre Drummond is the worst thing that ever happened to him or or not, if you gave Davis the same sixteen shots Tuesday night in Game Two, he's probably not going to hit five of them. Yeah, he probably hit seven or eight. You know, that being something. said, I hope he chooses some different shots. I, I completely do too. Um, all right, so. There, we'll get. You know, if I know, maybe you had some some specific things you want to see in game two. But the other big thing, obviously, Andy, that they can adjust—that's an easy adjustment—is personnel. And when you talk about personnel, really, what we're talking about 
is center again. You can't, all. you can't spell adjustments without a lot of Andre. Right. <laughs> Not all of it, but a lot yeah, of it. But, uh, enough, certainly enough. So, how much uh, we'll playing get... time? How much playing time does Marcus Saul get? How much playing time do you think Andre Drummond is expecting Marcus Saul to get? Some interesting comments Monday at practice, which we'll talk about next. Locked on Lakers brought to you by Lucy. Lucy Nicotine is a company founded by Caltech scientists, former smokers looking for a better, cleaner nicotine alternative. Researched and developed for three years to be made for people, not patients. They have nicotine gum with four milligrams of nicotine that comes in three flavors, wintergreen, cinnamon, pomegranate, which sounds very interesting. They also have a lozenge with four milligrams of nicotine in three flavors, cherry ice, citrus, mint, convenient, discreet. Products can be enjoyed anywhere, on flights, at work, on the go, even in the gym. It's 2021, people. Get rid of your cigarettes, unplug the vape, throw out your dip. This is the real deal. A subscription to Lucy comes directly to your door each month. It's simple. You don't have to leave your house. Lucy lozenges and gums are also FSA, HSA eligible, so you can spend your pre-tax dollars on them. Locked on NBA Network listeners, go to lucy.co, use the promo code Locked on NBA. get 20% off on all products for your first order, including gum and lozenges. That's Lucy.co, use the promo code LOCKEDONNBA at the checkout. Also, I do have to make a disclaimer, a warning. This product contains nicotine derived from tobacco. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Lucy.co, and make sure to use the promo code LOCKEDONNBA. Locked on Lakers, also brought to you by Rock Auto. Andy, with the ever-increasing number of makes and models out there, it's now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. And you know why go in there and endure the, all the questions that you have to answer? Like, you know, you know, is it an EX? Is it an LX? Is it a you know a, a, a G fifty twenty six or a G forty seven forty three? I made all those things up, but they could be real. I don't know, and that's why it's intimidating. Uh, and then you got to wait while the guy orders the parts on his computer, and then they choose the brand that that the warehouse carries, and not necessarily the best one for you. Andy, you've got a computer, and if you have a computer, you have access to RockAuto.com at home. You even have it in your pocket if you have a smartphone, and I know you do. Um, chain stores they have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody, and they're reliably low—20, 30, even 50 percent off. Uh, lower than, than chain stores or a new car dealership. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right in locked on in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know that we, that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Okay, Andre Drummond. <laughs> it's it's become an obligatory thing. Yeah. Um I he sounded Monday at practice after practice, you know, speaking to the media, Andy, like a guy who is fully prepared for a lineup change to be coming. That might I'm not saying, you know, Vogel didn't tip his hat. I'm not sure they've told anybody about anything at practice. But Drummond sounded like a guy who who is very aware that this could be coming. Well, if not a lineup change, like in terms of him losing his starting spot to Mark Gasol, it sounded like Drummond was expecting some rotational changes and things that are going to affect his minutes and how often he plays. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because this game one, Andre Drummond was not the solution, but he wasn't the problem either. No, like he he was five of seven from the field for twelve points. He had nine rebounds. Seven were offensive. 
depending on which metric you use or which uh, site you go to, whatever, for all the bitching about Andre Drummond's effect on the offense, and you know, we have uh, brought up some issues it like everybody else. And I don't care if Andre Drummond plays. It's not like right. we, we have like stock in, no, in, look, you know, I'll, in Drummond's IPO. I'll take a step further. You and I have covered the Lakers for, I believe it's now 15 years, something like that. You know, over time, you develop relationships with players. You develop affections with certain ones that, you know, you like more than others. I mean, we've talked before about, you know, how much we think of Pau Gasol, Lamar Odom, Roni Turioff, you know, a bunch of different guys. Uh, We've never met Andre Drummond because this season is being done virtually, uh, socially distanced. I have asked him one question on a Zoom, I believe, during his introductory press conference. Other than that, I'm not sure the man has ever seen my face because I usually have my camera off because my child is here. Oh, my God. The amount, is, the amount of multitasking that I've been doing all season long. I'm in the car. I'm yes. picking kids up. I'm doing this. I got the baby over here. Like, I am doing things. I I, just, I don't mind it. I'm very productive. So I like the setup. Uh, but yeah, I mean, neither one of oh, us... Sure. Any, I, neither one of us have even a small emotional attachment to Andre Drummond. Right, exactly. So I just want to make that clear from the beginning. But, you know, his offensive rating was either second or third on the team, depending on... Uh, where you go, but he his overall presence has made things complicated. Andre Drummond has said as much, talked about how they are figuring out yes. this lineup with him and LeBron and Anthony Davis literally in real time as you go, which Brian is not ideal during the playoffs. Well, and that's this gets this gets to the thing about part of the answer for about the Drummond thing and you know Cranjus McBasketball who does the Lakers exceptionalism podcast has a bunch of great numbers about the the amount that AD shoots at the rim when Drummond Very is there wonky. to other centers and it is but like all Good kinds stuff. of really good numbers. Go check it out. Go check out their podcast. Check out his Twitter feed. There's a lot of great information in there and there's no question AD is more of a jump shooter when he plays with Drummond. Now I don't know if that's in if that that's all because of Drummond or because some of the way that AD has played throughout the year, whatever. He shoots more jump shots when he plays with Drummond than with other guys, all this stuff. Part of the reason, though, that it makes some sense to go back to, if you wanted to swap out Gasol for Drummond, is exactly what Drummond was talking about in that quote. I think in that big lineup, we didn't have enough time to work on it, so it's something we're kind of just throwing out there with little time and little experience. That's a quote. Playoffs are not a time to be making up it as you go along, as you say, Andy. So if you play Mark Gasol those 19 minutes that went to Drummond, you're not making it up. They've done that. They right. have much more muscle memory of Gasol. Aside from the you know, the arguments about which guy's better fit and Mark Gasol plays higher on the floor and all that stuff, and defensively is still quite good. It makes sense to me um, for that reason, most of all that that um, Drummond is pointing out, it's just easier. Sometimes, like, take the path of least resistance sometimes. Yeah, the playoffs are hard enough as it is. This is something I've actually asked Frank Vogel about, like, I, I want to say a couple weeks ago, just the idea of, you know, where where do you draw the line between the upside that Frank Vogel clearly sees in 
like the perfect world version of Drummond and Davis together. And to be fair, there have been times where it actually has looked good versus just the idea of familiarity, simplicity, and mm-hmm. you are up against a clock. And, you know, this was before the playoffs even began. And Vogel understood what I was asking, but he talked up yet again what he sees as those potential uh, benefits from the two of them being together. Vogel likes size as a coach. We know this. We also yeah. know he will go away from it. But all things being equal, it's what he prefers from a either a, a, an attack, an approach, whatever you want to call it. I do think, though, we're going to be seeing Marcus Gasol in game two, regardless. Mm-hmm. And frankly, if we don't, I'm going to start questioning what Frank Vogel's doing. Because the resistance that we've seen in the last like week and a half to Gasol automatically being in the rotation, particularly when he's played well, is something that I don't always understand, if I'm being honest. Yeah. I mean, which game was it that he came off the bench and was like a plus 63 in like seven minutes? I mean, you, <laughs> you and I both thought that Gasol was more likely to be a rotation mainstay than Montrezl Harrell. I mean, we, we yeah, both thought it, that was the case. That's the thing, too. It's like it, it doesn't necessarily – and Trez had – some of this is, is so tightly related to when you play guys and against which guys. Like – Trez was great against Phoenix's smaller second unit guys. He got throttled whenever Aiton was on the floor because they, you know they 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 found that matchup and and made it and exploited it even when Trez had another big next to him. They, it still didn't work. The uh, you know and if you're going to play Drummond and AD together, it needs to always be I think with LeBron. Like I don't think you can split up LeBron, put AD and Drummond out together and expect that to work as well with the sort of the secondary playmakers that the Lakers have there. That's not, I don't think that's going to work. And I don't think you can put Trez on the floor, you know, so like it's, it's mixing and matching these things in a way that maybe I think more trouble than it's worth to quite possibly just go Drummond and Gasol or Gasol and a lot more AD at the five and just expect AD to play better. I mean, that's part of it. Like, Pete Zayas pointed out, you know, the Lakers were even when the Lake when they when the, when anybody else other than AD was playing the five, and they were minus I think fourteen with AD at the five. Yeah, that was something Frank Vogel actually he was asked about AD at the five, um, in in, in game, game one. one, and he he made a point of saying like that was not our best lineup. Right, it's, it has been their best lineup, and that's but important because in game one. Well, but it's also important to point out, and as much as I do think ultimately. Over time, it would be their best lineup. They haven't done it a lot this year, period. No, be- you know, between the the people that they've had and they've chosen to play and Davis's absence, they have not run AD much at the five at all. And even no. though it's a lot of the same people from last year, it's not all of them. You know, like right. there there is time that you would want, you know, for for guys like Schroeder or Wes Matthews or anybody that's new to be doing that with AD, you know, at center and. They they haven't done it much this year. No, and and and, and quite and some of it's just it comes down to what we were talking about on Monday's show. If AD plays like he did on Sunday, it doesn't matter if he right. plays the four or the five. He it, it doesn't. It just it doesn't matter. Certain things he could play like that next to Gasol, and the Lakers still aren't going to get what they need where, where they need to go. I just it is the the, the Lakers don't 
there are certain things Gasol can get exploited with in terms of how Phoenix can move him around and and put him in space and all that kind of. But he is a very smart defender, and I don't think the Lakers lose. And they to have his facilitating on the floor for fifteen minutes, I think would you know twenty minutes, whatever it would be. I think would be a massive benefit. And I agree with you. I'd be surprised if they don't go to it in game two. Well, here's the other thing too. Like I've, I before we uh, before we shift gears, I. I there's that school of thought that, you know, Andre Drummond was brought in to be, you know, not the focal point that he's been with like Detroit and Cleveland, but, you know, an important role player on this team. And if, say, you take him out of the rotation or drastically reduce his minutes, you know, you're going to lose him potentially when you might need him moving forward. I would like to think that Frank Vogel can communicate to Andre Drummond, like, look at some of these other teams coming up. If we end up against Denver, for example, it is impossible for you not to be playing in that series. Like Denver's too big, even with like their backups. Like you're you're going to be using him at some point. Like there could be matchups against the Clippers where you where you could potentially use Drummond. Like Drummond's been around long enough, I would like to think. And Frank Vogel has, we know, been good enough at communicating this stuff that you should be able to reduce his minutes in the opening round series. Yeah. Without it becoming some catastrophe, well, the nineteen he played in Game One were the second. I think the second lowest that he's played as a Laker, right? And so, and, and and as we pointed out, Drummond, and you could tell by his comments on Monday, Drummond is not going to make an issue out of it because he's a guy who wants to get another job after this one. Yes, and so he, he I don't care. He, first of all, I don't mean it to be just cynical. Like he, he probably isn't the kind of person who's going to say, "I'm going to put myself above this." whole effort that all of these people are doing to try to repeat as champions of the NBA, my playing time matters more. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. But even if I didn't want to give him the benefit of the doubt, he's still not going to do it because he's not stupid. Well, let's so just say, yeah. let's just say he is stupid and is going to do it. It's too easy a problem to solve. You don't play him. Just don't play him. Right. You don't play him. And the likelihood of him being on the Put team him in next year and tell him to stay home. Right. The likelihood of him being on the team next year is low under the best of circumstances because yeah. of CBA rules. So like, it's not an issue. It's not a problem. Um, no, I agree. Uh, Charles Barkley said some interesting stuff about the Lakers uh, that after their, their game one loss. And I know people like to uh, give Charles some some flack over things that he says that aren't so smart sometimes. I think this one might be spot on. We'll tell you about it next. Locked on Lakers brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online, the fastest, easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season's in full swing. You can track all the action at Bet Online. This week, as always, lots of sports action on the go. Uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about lines, I think, coming up. Lakers. After losing game one, giving up a point mm -hmm. and a half, uh, according to the folks at Bet Online for game two. So I guess they're feeling saucy in the same way some Laker fans may be. Uh, get all the latest news, odds, info on your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, UFC, MMA. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop, mobile device. Check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their run to the playoffs. Head to the website, use your mobile device, sign up today, receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Promo code locked on. Bet online your online sportsbook experts. Okay, Andy, you mentioned it. The Lakers are uh, going into Tuesday's game, giving up a point and a half. Mm -hmm. 
Um, on the road, which is usually worth, I think, what do they say? Three points in the NBA is, is generally what that is. Um, and so this to me is interesting because you always wonder, is this a sign of Phoenix being dismissed? Is this a sign of respect for the Lakers? Or is this a sign that Vegas thinks that people are dumb, aren't really paying attention, and know that casual fans will just look at me like, oh, that's the group with LeBron, and they're the Lakers, so I'm going to put my money there. And Lakers fans will put their money on LeBron, and they're all over the damn place. Um, Or... Is this like appropriate? Like I, 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 it was a very interesting line to me. The fact that the Lakers are giving up points to me, I thought was really interesting. Well, it could also be indicative of one more thing. We don't know Chris Paul's health. You know, it could be. Monty Williams could be said. Then. Monty Williams said he's feeling it's not as sore as it was after. He's not even on the injury report. Play. I'm just saying it could be. It could be indicative of not knowing the version of Chris Paul that you're going to get in game two. It could be. Um, the respect factor is. I think interesting as well because Charles Barkley after, you know, TNT and the, you know, the, the, the pre and post game show and all that um, said that nobody is scared of the Lakers right now. Uh, He said that after game one, I agree with him. I'm not saying that the Lakers aren't respected, but I do think they had a thing last year going into the bubble where teams, I'm not saying they didn't think they could beat them, but I think it required a lot more talking yourself into it. It required a little bit more delusion, <laughs> perhaps, than this, like, LeBron's not LeBron's hurt. They're, nothing about them had any kind of continuity. They feel gettable to me this year in a way that they didn't last year. And I think that is a real thing that other teams feel as well. Well, I would th- I would say that Barkley is half correct. Mm-hmm. I think he is wrong that nobody is afraid of the Lakers because we saw as teams were jockeying for position and what seed they would be, there was at least one team that clearly wanted to avoid the Lakers. I'm not going to say their name, but it rhymes with slippers. And they've got a, <laughs> got a really bizarre-looking duck mascot or condor or whatever the hell that is. It's a condor. It's a condor. And it's um, really stupid. Yes, it is. Uh, they clearly wanted no part of the Lakers. Uh, so, so I think Barkley is wrong in if he's implying that teams would be looking forward to playing the Lakers or they, they would be cool with playing the Lakers. I think that would be taking it too far. Where I think Barkley is correct, though, is that right now nobody is intimidated by playing the Lakers. And I think it's with good reason because you don't know exactly the health of LeBron and AD, and this team has had no continuity over the last few months. And despite the fact that they you know, were on a reasonably good you know, winning clip before the playoffs began, they weren't dominating teams. No. And you know they they had to get a LeBron shot for the ages to get out of the the play in, and they crapped the bed in Game One against Phoenix. So yeah, I, it, I think yeah. that part Barkley's right. And, and, and honestly, it, what matters right now is are the Suns 
frightened, uh, afraid at all, or at all intimidated by the Lakers. And game one seemed to indicate no. And these are hard things to quantify. Like the importance of something like this is hard to quantify, but it, it matters. Like I, I, we've all played enough sports to know that, you know, you go into most games, you can feel like, okay, if this happens, if this, I mean, but you know, when you're not as good and you know, when you need to get a little bit lucky and you know, when, when things start going the wrong way, that if you're not as good and the other team's got like a healthy LeBron and a healthy AD, I mean, you can, you can pretend that you're going to be able to come back. But by this point, you know who your team is and you know how good you are. And you know whether or not you're going to be able to come back on a, on a fully functioning Lakers team and no team last year could do it. And I don't think deep down in their heart of hearts, I think most of the teams the Lakers played last year probably didn't fully believe that they were better. Like, that they, you know, that they should win, could win, you know, maybe could, but not should. I think just I think a lot of that's gone, and I think I, that, and I don't know if that makes the the Lakers ten percent more vulnerable, fifteen percent, five percent, or whatever. But it's not nothing. Well, I mean, here's the thing, though: you can build that back. I mean, if the Lakers look like the first half version of themselves, or something that resembles their form in the bubble when they won that championship, mm-hmm. you can build that back because I, I can promise you, if the Lakers look like that version of themselves. That intimidation oh. factor will come back at the very and at the very least, all the stuff that we've been talking about for the last couple of days yeah. will completely disappear, and everything will be fine. Right. Well, but it's it's not the point being these things are fluid. Like yeah. you you can you can look more invincible as things go along. You can look more vulnerable even as you advance in a series. Like you know, all of these things can happen, and that's what makes the playoff stakes like so so great and that's what makes the playoffs so much fun to watch and again if you are a lakers fan to circle back to what we started with if you're a lakers fan looking for things to get to game two and you want this adjustment or that adjustment or whatever it might be some of the adjustments are simply look for the lakers to get back you know kind of regress to the mean lebron and ad were 11 of 29 in game one that's probably going to get better they're probably going to be better than 11 of 29 uh, the Lakers shot 60% from th- from from the free throw line. That should get better. Maybe not as much as we would like <laughs> because they're they're not good at that, but that's going to get a little bit better. You know, like there's there's a lot of natural improvement in that in that game one um that, you know, that you can look at whereas, you know, DeAndre Ayton's probably not going to go 10 for 11 in game 2 and Devin Booker shot 50%. Like he might be about the same, probably not going to be that much better. So I mean, there are reasons to be confident, even as bad as the Lakers were uh, in game one. Do want to let you know, we're going to have uh, a lot of really uh, fun YouTube exclusive content that will be going up uh, really up with this one on the Locked on Lakers YouTube channel. So please make sure you're subscribing to that. Send us some uh, emails. Brothers at gmail.com or at Twitter at Cam Brothers, and we will see everybody with Game 2 reaction on Wednesday.